All right, let's just jump into this tonight. Um, the Lord gives me stuff to speak on, usually at the most inopportune times. That means about three in the morning. And I'm like, wow, that's really good. Can I go to sleep now? And he's like, no, come on. I want to download to you right now. I'm like, okay. So um, a little bit before Dave and Kath spoke on falling in love, um, I felt like the Lord just kept saying, with all the garbage that's being downloaded into our minds today, uh, all the lies and the division and the, the uh, I mean, just rank and nastiness that people are saying about each other in our political movement. Um, you know, we've got people who hate cops. We've got people who hate black people. We've got black people who hate white people, white people. I mean, it's just all this bombardment of lies that we are faced with on a daily basis. Today, I did something pretty liberating. I like went through my Facebook feed and just eradicated all the stuff that didn't matter to me. Have you ever done that? I mean, I was so like liberated. I'm like, this is freeing. It's like, I love the fact that I can look at, and it's stuff I love to look at. Now, you guys know me better than anybody. I love unity and diversity. I love different points of view. I love people who are completely opposite the way I think because it challenges me to really stand up for what I believe. But sometimes it's like, man, I'm just sick of looking at all the garbage. I just need to refresh my mind. I need to fill my mind and think on these things. And so I'm excited about this, guys. I'm excited about what God's going to teach through us. But I, I, I want us to not just sit as an audience. I want us to participate as a body. Okay, and what that means is I may ask you a question, or if you have a thought, I, I really believe this is where the church is headed. Uh, Dallas, you'll appreciate this. If you have a thought, I want you to speak it out. If you have a revelation, I want you to use the, the gift that God's given you. Listen, I don't have it all. He has given the body to edify and exhort one another. And the, the weakness of our church today is that we have one man usually, or one woman usually, standing in front of all of you as you sit and just observe and take in all the stuff that I have to say, and you never get a chance to say, man, I really got a good thought on that. So I want to create an environment. I mean, we're small enough, we can do that. I like it. I like small. Uh, we could be mega. I promise you, with the anointing in this house, we could be big and blood and smoke screens and snowflakes and laser lights, but we purposely and intentionally stay intimate and stay small. What we want to do is reproduce this throughout the city, right? We don't, want, we don't say we want to be ingrown. Uh, ingrown creates retardedness. Ingrown creates slow development. I don't even, you know, it, it creates an inbreeding culture where nobody grows and everybody gets ingrained in what they like in their tradition. And I don't want that. As a body of believers, I want to create an environment where it's like, pastor, hey, did you think about this? Or look, you know what this is going to cause you to do? It's going to cause you to get into the Bible yourself. And you're going to say, man, man pastor's expecting us to participate. So what does that mean? i got to read freaking Philippians. Get in your Bible. Man, so many times, Teresa and I, when we were first married, it was so funny. I was Bible man. She was spirit woman to the degree. I mean, she was Church of God, Pentecostal, hair bobs flying, chandeliers swinging. And I'm like, man, this is just goofy, you know. Uh, where is this in the Bible? The King James Version, right? <laughs> 1492 or 16, whatever. That, that version. That's when Columbus sailed. Anyway. <laughs> 
Rachel, my teacher, isn't here tonight. But what we discovered is I brought balance to her and she brought balance to me. She freed me up a little bit and I helped her ground a little bit. But the point she would tell you tonight is like, yeah, he helped me get into my word because I would say, where is that in the Bible? Well, I don't know. That's what my pastor said. Your pastor's high on dope. You don't know. Go find it for yourself. I think the, the, the biggest weakness of the church today is the same thing happened in Moses' day when the body of Israel said, Moses, why don't you go up to the mountain and you intercede for us with God and we'll stay right here. The same thing is happening today. We're saying, pastors, why don't you teach us what we need to know? Entertain us a little bit. Keep us, keep us filled. And then if we really like what you have to say, and the worship was cool, and the air conditioning was just right, and the lights were okay, and, and, everybody, and, and the kids were too rowdy, we may come back and grace you with our presence. We might tip you even on the way out and give you a $10 bill. Am I speaking the truth? I fear that that's what our churches have turned into. Sort of a corporate cash machine. Like, if man, if I can just keep you entertained, if I can just give you enough to get you back the next week, if I can provide enough programs for you and your teenagers and your kids and the seniors and the singles and the senior seniors and the singles, singles, I mean, I'm like, God, who can spin that many plates? And then what happens is most of us in this room know through ministry experience, we're burned out, man. We're tired. We're exhausted because it's never intended for the body to be led by a few. The body has to be engaged in totality. So I want to encourage you. Let's have a conversation. Philippians chapter 1. Bring your Bibles too or your electronic devices. Philippians chapter 1. Here's some fun facts about Philippians. It was named after uh, Philip II, who's father of Alexander the Great. I thought that was pretty cool. It was rich in gold and served as a trade route in the eastern plains of Macedonia. So right now, the modern-day Philippi is in Greece. As we know, Macedonia has uh, turned to be Greece. Number three, Brutus and Cassius were defeated here by Mark Antony. Anybody know what Brutus and Cassius are famous for? Come on, high schoolers. Yeah, at Tubrute, they killed Julius Caesar. Come on, it's a little history here. Number four, an early church was established here on Paul's second missionary journey. Do you guys remember Acts chapter 16 by any chance? Why did Paul go to Macedonia? Anybody remember? Okay, this is, this is what I mean. You can, it's like, yeah, come on, Catherine. Yeah, the angel said, hey, in a dream, hey, uh, hey, we need you in Macedonia. Paul's like, well, I want to go over here. Well, no. A lot of times in life, it's like that, isn't it? Like, God, I really want to pursue this career. And God's like, I'm shutting that door. I'm shutting that door. I'm shutting that door. I'm shutting that door. I know this by experience. I'm shutting that door. I'm shutting that door. Here's the door I want you to go through. God, that's the last door I, want, I really want to walk through. That's the door I want you to walk through. Number five, Romans, Greeks, and Jews lived here. In other words, a huge melting pot of culture. And finally, most likely written by Paul's hand while he was imprisoned in Rome. So uh, Philippians, when you read it in context, I wanted to give you a little bit of history of what the town of Philippi was like. Trade route, you can imagine the bustle and hustle and bustle of the streets, right? You can, you can imagine the, the history. Man, this is where Brutus and Cassius were killed. Uh, Mark Anthony kicked their rears with, with, with who? Cleopatra, right? Remember that whole thing? That's a true story. Um, and then it was established... Uh, and a, a church was established there on Paul's second missionary journey through a vision. So he's writing to these people, and you're going to hear Paul's love for these people. I mean, he's a gusher. People, people think Paul's like a real 
jerk. He's a love machine, man. He, he is. He loved his people gushed over them. And his heart was like, I'm just freaking in love with you, man. I love you and I love you. And we're going to read a lot about that. Okay. So Philippians chapter 1 through 11 is what we want to try to cover tonight. And I want to give you uh, an opportunity. Uh, go, with, go with there in your Bibles or whatever you have. Philippians chapter 1, 1 through 11. Let's read this. Philippians chapter 1, Paul and Timothy, servants of Jesus Christ, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you, well, he'll carry it on until the completion of the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way all about you since I have in you my heart. And whether I am in chains or defending or confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Jesus Christ. Do you hear Paul's emotions? And this is my prayer, that you love, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. If you wanted to, I guess, break down what we're doing here tonight, and look, I'm not, everybody, I know this is probably new, so if it's next week where everybody's like, okay, I've read it, I'm familiar with it, but if the Holy Spirit gives you something, I want you to have the freedom to to speak out, okay? I know it's it's probably new, but we got to get there. The first thing we see is this greeting. You know, Paul mentioned this tonight, as he said, when I walk into the body of Christ, I feel welcome. See, God wants us to feel welcome when, he's, when we're around each other. The greeting is important. People usually blow over the greeting. Oh, Paul, blah, 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 blah. But it's important because Paul begins his, the, 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 the law of first mention still applies. And the first thing we see is this, guys, I love you. I miss you. I long to be with you. I mean, do you feel the heart of a father in that? Do you feel the heart of God in that? Man, guys, I love you. I'm for you. I long to be with you. I mean, every time Paul mentions, I love you, I'm greeting you, and, and me and Timothy are here, and we're in chains, and we're getting the snot kicked out of us, but that's okay. Our mind still goes to the goodness of God and what we remember about you. Secondly, we see this prayer. Man, my prayer for you is, is uh, always filled with joy. My prayer for you is, is this prayer of, of, man, I really want you to succeed. I want you to be everything that God wanted you to be. I want you to, to excel in what God has called you to do. I mean, this, as the body of believers, prayer is fundamental in everything that we do. I can tell you there's a shift, there's a change over our church because of 530 prayer on Thursday mornings. I'm telling you, there is. 
We, our hearts are connected. The men who gather that early morning, and it's dark out now, and, and we gather and we weep and we cry and we walk and we pray and we intercede and we pray for one another. There's a shift in the culture through prayer. You know, A.W. Tozer said this, that prayer is like our incenses poured into a bowl and ascending to heaven. And God's answers are Him pouring that bowl of beauty back onto us. Prayer is so sweet. Prayer is beautiful. Sometimes we feel like prayer is a waste of time. Or sometimes prayer is too much time. And prayer is essential. Prayer is rich. I love our prayer nights. I love our praise and worship nights. I love our prayer nights. We just come, you have a little mic up here, and we just begin to pray and intercede. And some of the most unbelievable prophecies have come through this spirit of prayer. You know, Paul said this, I, I pray in tongues more often than all of you, and that's not a bad thing, but I want you to know that it's important. I want you to know that prayer really, truly changes the atmosphere. It may, not, it may not change your condition, right? But it'll change the way you go through your storm. It may not change your immediate location, but it'll change the way you feel about your immediate location. It may not change your current circumstance. It may not solve your problem, but it'll change something internally. That's why he said, I pray that grace and what? Come on. I, I hear this. Peace, Yeah. Grace and peace. In other words, he's saying, I want the grace of God. We just did a series of, of um, summer grace. I want the grace of God to be in you, through you. I want you to bleed it. I want you to sweat it. I want you to spit it. I want everything about you to be just embathed and engrossed in grace. But peace is so essential. See, grace is like this, this ability to forgive and love. And we talked a lot about that. And then peace is knowing that that's the right decision, right? I mean, peace is going through the storm going, hey, this is nuts. I feel like my ship's going to blow up at any moment. But I have this weird, unspeakable peace. How many of you ever feel that way? Anybody have a quick story? Anybody going through a storm, but you have amazing peace? <coughs> Go. that's amazing yeah that, and it's unexplainable matter of fact I feel like sometimes people try to add drama to your life does anybody feel that way like I'm really cool right now why are you doing this right I'm oh my god I can't believe what you're walking through oh my god it must be devastating I'm so oh my and they just add retarded drama to I said it again I'm sorry they add ridiculous drama to your life that you really don't need you know like you're walking through I'm like I got this we're good I don't understand it but I'm at peace Paul prefaces his beginning talking to the Philippians. Remember, in context, where's Paul at? He's in stinking prison. He's getting his teeth kicked in, man. He's getting whipped and scourged. and uh, I mean, it's not fun. But he's writing this out of a heart of peace. 
Like, guys, I'm a perfect example. Prayer is cool. It's awesome. Grace you need. But man, this peace that I have about where I am in my life right now is unexplainable. It's full of God's riches. His grace is upon me. Guys, I'm telling you, walk in peace. I thought this was so appropriate with... Did anybody watch the debate? I lost my peace. <laughs> I'm like 319 million people and the really I won't get on any soapboxes tonight uh, but anyway I'm like this I feel I feel turmoiled right Alberta looks really good doesn't it <laughs> oh Ken I'm just kidding uh but then I realized, you know, God said in Titus, look, I'm the guy who puts people in authority. I'm the guy who takes people out of authority. Regardless of who's in authority, walk in that peace, knowing that I'm in control. I don't feel like God's wringing his hands over this thing. I don't feel like he's like, oh my gosh, I've lost control. You know, oh my goodness, I've, I, I, I don't know what those crazy Americans are thinking, but wow, wow, I just, well, good luck, guys. I feel like God, you know, the sovereignty of God is a mystery, especially when it comes to grace and peace. Because we as believers can say, look, we'll do our part. We know our citizenship. We know the, the value and the, 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 uh, the, 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 thank you, responsibility. Man, girl, uh, the responsibility of voting. We, we get that. We'll do that. You know, but my goodness, Father, what is going on? It's like, dude, I got this all set up. I'm setting the church up. Don't worry. Some, I, I think our churches so many times are relying upon the government's freedom. We think our freedom comes from the government and the Constitution. My friends, the freedom of the church never came, never started with the Constitution. It started with, the, with God. It started with Jesus Christ saying, you want to tear this building down? Go ahead. In three days, I'll bring it back up in me. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do something radical. And then I'm going to put me in you. Oh, good but we gotta have a building. We gotta have spires. We gotta have steeples. We gotta have choirs and organs and, and people. And man, guys, look. The most fascinating thing I ever discovered about the church. I was in India, and this Indian pastor, no shoes, just ragged, met under this huge tree, and he sat on a rock. And there must have been 30 or 40, maybe 50 people there gathering around. And we drove by and I said, hey, what's going on over there? And the pastor, we said, he's like, hey, that's brother so-and-so. He doesn't have a church building. He doesn't really have anything, but he loves Jesus and he's teaching his people. He's making disciples under that tree sitting on a rock. I'm like, man, come on. That, to me, is the church. And finally, we see the beginning here is, is, is encouragement. I know so many, so, so, Paul gets a bad rap sometimes. Like, man, Paul, you, all you're doing is yelling at people. And Paul's like, man, no, let me encourage you. Let me just encourage you. Let's move on. Philippians 1, 3 through 6. So to break this apart. He said, I thank my God every time I remember you. You have someone that you just, you're fond of. Look, Philippi wasn't perfect. Lots of stuff happened there. We'll get into that later. But Paul, watch this, through grace, learned to forgive and walk in love. And so he could write, I thank God that every time I remember you, I thank God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for you, I always pray with joy 
because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to the completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Man, that's encouraging, isn't it? Paul just had a way of encouraging his people. He's like, guys, don't worry. Man, Philippi's a mess. I know. We got, we got Brutus and Cassius over here. We got uh, Alexander the Great over here. And we got Constantine who's coming later. He's going to jack everything up. Don't worry. We, we have it in, under control. There's peace. There's grace. And I really thank God for that. If we were to break this down, I think this is a couple lessons, and maybe you guys can add to this. Please do. But number one, how about we learn to pray with thanksgiving? You know, Paul said, let your supplications be known unto God in all circumstances with thanksgiving. One of the things we're learning in prayer early, you know, it's early. Trust me, we're sucking down coffee and eating bagels, but it's still early. We're, we're learning that God, we feel like sometimes we come to you with just a bunch of requests. And I feel like God is saying, hey, why don't you thank me in advance and in faith for what you're believing for? Tonight I prayed, I said, I thank God that he planted me in Colorado. Had it been up to me, I would have settled for the Smoky Mountains. And anybody who really knows, those really aren't mountains. Those are just large hills. God knew, God knew my heart better than I did. Come on. The Bible says that God puts the desires of your heart in your heart. He gives you the desires of your heart. I heard a pastor say it this way once. He gives you your wanter. Isn't that good? Can I say that again? He, he gives you your wanter. In other words, the desires you have in your heart, they're placed in there by God. They're not bad. They're good. They're God's. God, they're God's. So my desire was always, I'm like, babe, man, we got to get out of Indiana. I mean, why are we living here? It's flat. It's ugly. It stinks. It's gray. It rains all the time. Okay, not all the time. But it's, it's just... It's rust belt, it's steel mills, it's refineries. I'm like, God, get me out of here. Like for 27 years, I prayed that. He knew something deeper. He knew better than I did. And all the times I tried to manipulate his will, anybody ever done that? Oh, of course, you're all perfect, right? No, you never do that. (laughs) All the times I tried to manipulate his will and tried to force something, Teresa can attest, it would always backfire. Because God knows better for us than we know ourselves. So he puts our desires, he puts these desires in our hearts. Can I just give you the freedom to go chase it? Man, go, if there's a desire in your heart, man, go get it. Listen, I promise you, God won't let you screw up. If you do, he'll make an adjustment. It's okay. He loves you. Thanksgiving with prayer. I really believe this is a prayer of faith, right? I mean, if you're praying and you're thanking at the same time, you're like, God's going, but you're bold, bro. I like that. I like bold people. I like people with faith. As a matter of fact, faith is the only thing that pleases me. And you're pleasing me right now. I am pleased by your radical prayer of thanksgiving. I'm praying, believing, and thanking. Teresa and I went through, uh, her dad went through a double lung transplant surgery nine years ago. And, uh, we prayed. I mean, we had unshakable faith when everybody around us, I was even shaken. Teresa was, wasn't. She was like this rock of faith. And she would say, my dad's going to be healed. I'm like, eh, you know, okay, uh, I'm with you. Oh, God, please heal him. Oh, my God, please. 
And Teresa was just like this standard. She was, well, Mother Teresa. She was just rock, man. She was like, I am believing and I'm thanking in advance for what I'm about to receive. Of course, that was 10 years ago. He's with us. He's alive. He's well. Saw my son graduate. See my daughter graduate. It's going to be good. Secondly, pray with joy. I mean, even, I, I understand there's prayers of turmoil. There's prayers, prayers of tears. But man, sometimes we got to return to some prayers of joy. Amen. We just got to get like, God, come on. I'm happy. I'm happy. God's happy. He's relaxed. Chill out. Pray with joy. It's good. Try it. And finally, being confident in his work. Obviously, this is a huge kitchen table or a refrigerator, right? I believe that he who began a good work in you will see it completed until the day of Jesus Christ. Listen, this gives us hope in humanity, right? This gives, this gives all of us, all of our wives, it gives you hope in your husband. <laughs> that was supposed to be funny. Because um, you could say, I know you're not complete yet, Jordan, but... Praise God, Sarah. He's, God's not done. Right? <laughs> this also brings about a theological discussion. And let me throw this out at you. There's a big division in a couple uh, denominations. One was instantaneous sanctification. Just a big word that means you're, you're holy or you're perfect. You're perfected. And progressive sanctification, meaning you're progressively getting more like Jesus. Right? It's interesting because Paul sort of lands on the second of the two, saying that we're, we're progressively, as a matter of fact, I'll even go as far as this, that for eternity we'll constantly be changing into Jesus Christ or more like him. If, if, there, was a, if, if, if there was an end to Jesus, there would be an end to time. Are you with me? But because there is eternity, there is no end to Jesus. There's no end to God. There's no beginning. There's no end. Are you tracking with me? I know this is weird. But it's, it's like, it's good to get some theological basis to what we believe. Jesus said that, that, that I, I am that I am. God said, I am that I am. I, I was in the beginning, in John chapter 1, I, I was the, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. I am that person. I am the embodiment of Him. Have you ever seen those pictures of the universe lately? It's like staggering. We're like a... I won't say that. We're like a flea. I won't say that. We're like we're small. We're really, really small in context of the universe, which seems to be continually expanding. It's a beautiful picture of eternity, to which there is no end. When we pray for people, look, if anything, this should give us, this should give us confidence that when someone screws up royally, you have grace for them and saying, you know what? God's not done with me, and I know he's not done with you. Now, Paul, I love your testimony now, your vulnerability. I just, you know, came in and I could tell, you know, you could tell when Paul's not like Paul. He's, there's something bearing on him. And he's like, man, I spanked my kid out of anger, man. And I was breaking his heart, just tearing him up. Do you know that there's, the father looks at Paul and says, man, I love you. I'm so proud of you. Even in the midst of your mistake, I love you. I love you. 
Even when you screw up, I love you. There's no possible end to my love. What is the thing that changes us then? It's God's love. Right? It's, it's the love of a man and woman together. It's a beautiful picture. What changes a marriage? It's men and women coming together and unconditionally loving each other. Saying, look, you're, you're weird. I liked you when we were dating, but right now you're just odd. And your clothes are here and they should be over there. And the dishes are here and they should be over there. And you snore and you slobber and you spit and you've got hair growing out of your ears. I mean, what happened? Okay, sorry, that's my life. <laughs> I, I, I realize that there's an unconditional love built into a marriage. And what it does is it, it, it brings us closer together, just like Jesus and his bride. That Jesus says, man, you got hair growing out of your ears. You, got, you slobber, you snore, you snot, you, 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 know, you eat like a pig, but that's okay. I love you and I'm not done. I'm going to keep working. I'm going to keep changing. I'm going to keep bringing you into this glorious body. You know, I love this because, and remember the Titans. Remember, remember the Titans? Okay. Remember the one guy who was a defensive guy and he said, uh, we're not, we're, we're, we're perfect thus far, but we're not perfect by, by individual standards. We're perfect as a team. I think they were like 7-0 and and they were going for the championships or something. And I thought that is the body of Christ. No individual is perfect, but together we are. Isn't that good? That's my little excited revelation for the night. All right, you guys can go home. Okay. <laughs> no, seriously, we're together, together you and I are perfect. Together serving at a race and handing water out. A two-year-old, I couldn't do what Benin did. I mean, I'm like, you little jerk. I, he is like, these people are coming across, I didn't really say that. These people are coming across the line and they're undone. Have you ever run a half marathon? Yes, I have. It is ridiculous. It's hard. Have you run a marathon? No, I'm only half crazy, right? But I heard a marathon is even nuttier. You're like really undone. And you see people coming across the line and their knees are knocking together and they're, they're, they're completely just done. And here comes Ben in. Hey, good job. And he's like throwing water at people. <laughs> they're, even, they're running him over. And all of a sudden, smiles. Laughter. Oh my God, you just, this is the best part of my race. This right here, the best part of my race. What happened that day is we were perfect as a body. You understand what I'm saying? I was tired. My back hurt. I want to just chuck water. I just want to put a table up, grab water, for crying out loud. I've been out here for five hours. That, that was me. It's my flesh, right? I'm, I'm like, but man, as a body, we were perfect. We perfectly served our community. Well, because it wasn't about getting people into our building. We're the called out ones. A matter of fact, I'm, I'm amazed. And for the ecclesia, the called out ones, why we're so busy trying to call people in. Uh, oh, that might be for another time. All right. <laughs> Philippians 7 through 8. We're going to roll through this. It's right for me to feel this way about you since I have you in my heart. And whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, watch this, this is a mystery to me. All of you share 
in God's grace with me. I, I, I don't know how that works. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Jesus Christ. So we see Paul's circumstances. He's in chains. He, he, whether he's defending, confirming, or preaching the gospel, he said, where? He said, I am content in all things. I've, I've abounded. I've stayed at the, you know, the Ritz-Carlton, and I've stayed in a mud mat in India. In all things, I've learned to be content. I tell you, my friends, that's a hard lesson for some of us to learn. We're in jobs we hate. We're in relationships we can't stand. We got bosses we don't like. The, the thing we need to learn is contentment. Man, contentment is great gain in Jesus. It's learning to rest in where he has you in your life. Contentment. Anyway, our shared grace. What does this mean to you? Because I'm, I'm not really sure. Can you just give me some help here? I'm not going to be sure what it means, but I know that our religion has become privatized. Good. We are focused on what we can say, whether what God can give us, or the future glory. I'm going, I'm going to heaven. Whatever it is, uh, we have forsaken the communal aspect of the church. That's good. So when people hurt, when there's injustice, we're like, well, I'm doing fine, so why would I help bring grace to the world? Wow. That's good. Did you guys get that? It's, it's, it's the result of individualistic religion, individualistic relationship. Really never is supposed to be that way. Always supposed to be communitas, community, communal. Anybody else on that? That's good, man. You're smart. Re? Paul? Uh, Dallas? <laughs> Just thinking about like, the Lord's Prayer, it's not uh, give me today my daily bread, it's uh, Father, give us. Good gosh. Good. So good. It's even our father, too. It's not just my father. Right, right. Father. That's good. You guys are smart. Daniel, you got nothing? Pastor? Yeah. Come on. Do you hear what he said? Say it loud. It is. It is. We're really good at making consumers. We really are, and that's what I sort of led with. But disciples, uh, not so much. It's hard. It's hard. It takes time. You're right. Anybody else? Shared grace. I think it's that we have to, to give and to receive. You can't just be someone who gives grace and never receives it. You can't be someone who receives grace and never gives it. So I think with the community part of grace, that it's shared is us learning it as we do life for each other. Mm. That's rich. Man, you guys are smart. Isn't this good? Yeah. Yes, ma'am. Can you tell me your name? Elizabeth. Hi, Elizabeth. Welcome. Go ahead. Um, I was going to say, like, he, um, it's like the body of Christ as a body. Like, if one part isn't doing well, the other parts aren't doing well. And, like, each person affects that's good that's good yeah my big toe hurts my left wrist really hurts for some reason I don't know how it works oh you're right it's weeping with those who weep rejoicing with those who rejoice right it's good anybody else this is good I'm so excited about this part go Polly. Uh, since I have you in my heart, uh, I guess that's the middle, but that I think just 
it's so deep. Um, when you have someone in your heart, you, you know those moments when you know something's wrong with someone and you're just like, man, I'm just going to reach out to them. Come on. And I'm so glad you did that. That, that, that intertwining of one another, that summing our hearts Gosh, together, that's good. Uh, that right there is, is what's happening in prayer in that morning. Um, and, and I believe what he's coming from there is because there's a next level. You know, we know what to say in certain prayers. We know how, all right, Lord, I'm, going, I'm really impatient right now. Give me patience. Like, it's very standard. It's very, you yeah. know what to do. Yeah. And there's that moment where you don't know how to pray what you need to pray. And you say, Lord, you know my heart. Because our heart is what intertwines us. Mm-hmm. You know, um, my nephew was born blind. And, uh, and, I, and I, I called my dad and said, Dad, I don't really know how to pray for this. Like, I just, I can't get the words out. And he goes, Paul's very simple. You say, Lord, you know my heart. And I ask you to look into my heart. It's good. And to take it and, and, and honor it. It's good. And uh, the words I can't even, I can't. Exactly. Even, you know, the Holy Spirit prays through us with utterings and things we don't even understand. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, a month later, a healed blind. Come on. And it was, it was so amazing and so pleasing to the heart. Yeah. I'm like, oh, that's good. And I believe that that's what this grace is. It's cool. It's what intertwines us. It's like, that's good. No, you're... You have my grace. It's good. You know, like it's it's being happy for someone else when they're not happy. It's good. Yeah. It's it's that. That's good. I like that sharing in the victories before someone sees it. Yeah. Like, don't worry, we got you, man. I mean, sometimes that my my soul is like weary, and I and someone will come along and share their grace with me and say, "Bro, we got this, man. God's doing some." I mean, Michael's really good at this. He's like, just stop and look around what God has done. Look who has gathered around us in a short amount of time. I'm like, dang, dude, you're right. These are rich, deep relationships. This is community. <sighs> Guys, that's good. Yeah, babe. Philippians is my favorite book ever. And so I read it a lot. I mean, I read it often because it's important. And I tie kind of what Josh and Paul said. It's the heart of the Father. And when we ask for God's heart, like yeah. Paul said at the very beginning, yeah. it talks about praying for them yeah. and how he uses them. And then it talks about his heart. And right after he says, God can testify. Mm-hmm. Right. Us, right. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if we're in the same building or if we're in the same city or if we're in the same country. Sure. The body of Christ is believing in each other because we have the heart of the Father, which is what we believe in and loving Him. Yeah. I can tell you, I think that there's. And, and you guys have been around our city and maybe different churches. And, but I think that there's an underlying tone of that going on. Like, man, guys, what are we really here for? Are we just going to go through the motions every single Sunday? Prayer, song, 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 prayer, offering, message, prayer, go home. Great, I feel good. Let's go get our seat at the restaurant. I'm, I'm, there's got to be more. There's, there has to be. There has to be more of this. 
you know, the other church, the early church, there was, there was just everybody involved. Everybody was involved. You had a word, you spoke it. You had a song, you sang it. You had a poem, you wrote it. You had a word of prophecy, you said it. We've, we've got to get back there. We really get, Look, because what is the best part of making disciples? It's listening to someone who's just trying out their prophecy legs. <laughs> and I think that God is like, yeah, man, he loves you. I'm like, yeah, dude, are you right on? Right? Or someone's got a poem and it doesn't even rhyme. Like, that's sweet, man. That's awesome. You know, someone's got a word of wisdom and you're like, you're so far off base, but I love you, man. That's great. <laughs> that is the church. That's the body. That's the big toe and the wrist getting along, right? It really is. Let's wrap it up. Philippians 1, 9 through 11, put on screen for you. And this is my prayer, again, prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So Paul's prayer was simple. It was like this. Four things. You ready? Number one, I want your love to abound in knowledge, depth, and insight. In other words, in Romans chapter 12, verse 9, let love be without dissimulation. Cleave to that which is good and abhor that which is evil. Let love be real. Basically, that's a big word for just being real. Let love be real. I love this. I want your love for one another to grow in depth. Oh, man, I, man, Dallas, when you're hurting, I'm hurting. Elizabeth, when you're hurting, I'm hurting. I mean, you know, the... <clears throat> Tony, when you're hurting, I'm thinking about you. I'm hurting. But when you're victorious, I'm victorious with you. There's no envy. I'm not jealous of your success. I'm rejoicing in your success. See, that's love growing deep. I, it's a hard lesson. There's people that are succeeding around me, or at least I, some, some sort of fashion of success. And I'm like, come on, God, have you forgotten me? God, just being real. Narcissistic, ego-driven, self-centered. That's what it becomes with individual religion. But when we think about the body, like, man, I'm proud that God is prospering you. I'm glad you're succeeding. I rejoice in your success. You got a raise. I got a devotion. Yeah. <laughs> Let your love grow. Depth and insight. Insight for what? I really truly believe it's insight for one another. Man, I know what you're going through. I've been through that. Or I don't know. I can empathize with you. Deep insight. Deep, deep relationship. Discernment, number two, is huge. Huge. Discernment's huge. Because not only will we come together as a body, uh, as Elizabeth said, but we can also correct each other in love. Right? You have tons and tons of grace. But there's also correction. Paul, I'm just going to use you again as an example. I don't think Paul was struggling with being abased by God tonight. But I wanted to go and encourage him and say, God loves you. You're lovely. You are beautiful. You are, he is proud of you. Even when you mess up. You see, that's discernment. That may not be exactly what he was going through. But I felt the Holy Spirit nodding me through all of worship saying, go and encourage him. Let him know he still has a beautiful place at the table. That's discernment. Sometimes we think discernment is all like, oh, I think you're filled with a demon. No, I got no demons, I promise you. Sometimes discernment is just giving that word that somebody needs. Have we twisted the gospel so badly? Like, come on. How are you? No, how are you? Fine. 
Fine is not good. Tell me how you are. So that's discernment. Sometimes fine is fine. Really. It's like asking a guy what he's thinking. Nothing. No, what he re- no nothing. How is that possible? I don't know, but I like it. Because the more I know about women, the more it is a gift to us men. Come on, somebody. <laughs> women are always thinking something. Aren't you, Sarah? There's something always on your mind. You're worried about your kid, the future, uh, food, dinner. I can't believe how much time my wife spends on thinking about dinner. What are we going to have to eat? I don't care. No, really. No, really. I don't care. But we have to, can you lay this meat out? I'm going to make this great. I really don't care. All right. Number three, be pure and blameless. Again, I think this is, don't, don't you love studying a book in context? Because what, was, what we've already set up is this really, this picture of the body. And what he's saying to one another is don't be individually pure and blameless, but be perfect together. As the body comes together, be perfect as one. Be perfect together. Look, keystoners, we all have our junk. We are jacked up. We've got insecurities and egos. And Okay, I'm not just speaking about me. I've got insecurities and egos and, and, uh, and, and character problems and traits and addictions and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. But together, we're perfect. See, together we're pure. As a bride, we're pure. That ought to really set us free. Like, I can just sort of lay back and rest in the body knowing I'm good. Where I'm weak, I'm, they're strong. Where they're weak, man, I'm strong. I'm good. Rest in that. And finally, be filled with the fruit of righteousness. So think on these things, right? We're going to get to that later. But the whole reason we want to go through the book of Philippians is I want you to begin to rethink church. I want you to begin to reimagine what church could be like if everybody was truly flowing, not on the stage, not not on a stool, but right where everybody is. Breaking bread together, remembering the communion of Jesus Christ. Man, every time we eat a taco, that's communion. Man, God, thank you for breaking your body. Thank you for spilling your blood. That's really what the early church did. They just got together and ate. And they loved Jesus. I, I, my, in my mind, Tony, I've got a picture of a church where there's absolutely no need among the body. Come on. You're short on your mortgage? We got you. You need rent? We got you. You need a car payment paid? We got you. You know what? You're short on... Why, why is the church of God in such debt? It's because the church of God is screwed up. We're all about us. We're afraid to ask for help. And, and we spend our money on stupid things. We spend our money on buildings. What if we spend our money on each other? I think that's probably a picture of Acts chapter 2 when he said, and no one had any need. Everybody shared their individual wealth with one another. And Josh, you nailed it. You nailed it. Consumer, individual consumerism. It's about me, how I feel, what's going on for me. What's in it for me? Not what's in it for the body. What if I were to share everything? So Catherine comes in the other night. It's like open cabinet policy in my kitchen now. You know why? It's not my house. It's really not my house. I rent it. But it's not my house. (laughs) What if we live that way? 
I'm like, well, my house isn't as clean as yours. Who cares? We love your junk. Love my junk, I'll love your junk. Right? What if we just lived like that? What if? What if we actually practiced the stuff that Jesus told us to? It's not new. It's ancient. It's not new. This is not a new revelation of how we're going to do church growth 101. Woo! Keystone's got a revelation of how to do church. No, this is ancient. This goes back to the beginning. I'm excited about where God's going. I just want to follow him. Right? It's good. It's rich. Closing thoughts. Your turn. Come on. Come on, yeah. Yeah. being raised Baptist, I was a huge founded in the word guy, right? And I love what you just said. The Holy Spirit speaks, but he always confirms it. Right? Other margins? Of course. But I'm telling you, if someone says, hey, Elizabeth, I think that there's a portion in your future, and it's going to be red, and it's going to have 17-inch rims, and then, you know, little red brakes, and you're like, ah, well, let me put that on a shelf, you know, not, not really thinking that's right or wrong, but I think we've perverted that gift of insight and discernment. To just either tell something I want to hear to make me feel good or tell something you want to hear to make you feel good. And sometimes it's not what you really want to hear, but it's truth. And that's what really sets us free. Good point. Anybody else? Come on. It's rich. No. Okay. She's scratching her nose. Yeah, go ahead. Sure. Oh my gosh. farm for Anna's family. <laughs> okay. Okay. Hey, let's pause, right? Let's, Holy Spirit interruption. Come on, let's pray. Father, we pray for Anna's family. Lord, we know that you have already, you've already met the need. So we just practice what we preach tonight. We pray with thanksgiving. We pray believing without seeing. We pray this prayer of faith, Lord, for breakthrough for Anna's family, for healing in every person in the family, Lord. Lord, I pray for peace in their family. I mean, nine, ten dogs, that's a lot of dogs. But you have a place for them. You have a plan. You have, a, you have the wisdom that they need to go through this season of trial that they're going through. 
I thank you for Anna. I thank you for her family. God, and we pray you bless them in Jesus' name. Amen.